0: you gotcha. finally got gotcha. you <laughs> Well this is this is actually the last night of this quarter for Sundays. So next Sunday we'll begin a new quarter with new classes. I believe that we'll be looking at the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke, Luke here in this class and then This class that I just taught will be over in the annex. I'll be, we'll be alternating that way uh, as we go along. And then I think this Wednesday night is the last Wednesday night of the quarter or Wednesday night classes, and then they will swap as well. If you missed a class and you'd like to fill in, you just kinda judge it along like we've been going We'll be having the same exact classes over there as we had over here. Great to see you. Hope you had a wonderful day. But now's our our great opportunity to be together to study God's Word and at least in my mind to kind of fill out uh, some helps in the study of these first five books of the Bible. I hope it's been a, of a benefit to you. We're going to sing a song together then have a prayer, and after that we'll start our class. 722, 722. Let the beauty of Jesus be singing. Isn't that pretty? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for a beautiful day today. Thank you for all your rich blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we have now to study your word together. I pray that it will be a blessing to all of us will help us to better appreciate the way that you've interacted with your people. And I'm hoping that our study together will help us be better in our relationship with you, especially as regards the strengthening of our faith and our obedience. We thank you for the examples of those who live before us. We're thankful for those who maintain their faith and are exemplars of that. And even in their weaknesses, despite setbacks, they they didn't give up. And I pray we'll always be like that, even if we have setbacks, disappointments, that we'll always trust you and be faithful. And we will be obedient. Please... Bless all the classes that are going on now, that your word can be communicated in a simple, understandable, and helpful sort of way. And also help us who are students to be able to receive the message that's given and be able to use it and bring it into our own personal studies so that those will be richer. And the farther along we go, the wiser, better, will be at handling your word. Thank you for all that you intend to accomplish in all those things. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the book of Deuteronomy is, as we have already seen from some introductory thoughts last time, really a restating of the law. Literally, Deuteronomy means the second law. It is a reminder to a new generation of people who are preparing to enter into the promised land of who God is, all the expectations that he had in the past. There's a reminder in this book of how that first generation had failed, but despite that and despite not entering into the promised land in that first round, God still was faithful. God still saw to it that the promises he made were fulfilled and that this subsequent generation or generations of people would come to know God on their own and not make the same mistakes that had been made by their forefathers. If, if I were going to use two words to describe this second statement of the law, this Deuteronomy, I would say let's think about these two words, trust, and that's faithfulness, trust and obey. We have a song that we sing sometimes, trust and obey, for there's no other way. And I love that statement. There really isn't. If we're going to maintain our relationship with God, then we are absolutely going to have to trust Him, have faith in Him, and believe in what He tells us. And we're going to have to obey. Obey indicates action. I learn what is necessary I don't just house that knowledge, I do what is my responsibility to do. Because even if I received the message and I I was favorable in my response to it, if I don't act on it, am I faithful? I am not. I am not obedient to the instruction of God. Now, there's a great text that I want us to think about going along with this. And it's Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verses 19 and 20. So if someone would like to look up that text and read it for us in a triumphant, excited, and easily understood voice, that would be terrific. (laughs) Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 and 20. Yes, Jim. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Okay, thank you, Jim. That's the way to read it. We can understand it, and it's good and, and loud. Wow, isn't that a terrific text? Somebody's going to ask you, what's your favorite text in the Bible? You'll say, I don't know, Philippians 4.13 or John 3.16 or something like that. Maybe some of you will say John 11, verse 35. You know what that one is? (laughs) Jesus, you know. Okay, never mind. But you'll come up with those. Is that not a great text right there? That is, pardon? Choose lot. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just love it, boy. Uh, There's several levels on it now that I love it. But yeah, choose life. Choose that. Now, what's great about it is you can easily choose it. And God has given us exactly what it is that we can do in order to have it. And I I just boiled it down for you a moment ago. If you will trust Him and you will obey Him, you have chosen life. And along with that came all of these promises of God. I'm going to give you what I promise you, if, if you'll just choose it. You know, choose it. Someone says, "Well, I, you know, I, I've received negative kickback. I, I'm, I'm reaping the consequences of my choices. Boy, God is cursing me? You know who did that to you? You did that to you, because you chose other than life." If we don't remember anything else out of all of this, you've noticed as we've gone through these books, it, the whole sentiment is relatively simple. If we will just choose to walk with God, things are going to work out. Things are going to work out beautifully. Now, if we were going to say a theme for this book, I guess we would go back to that. And if you really want to boil it down just kind of bring together the faithfulness and the obedience, then just just simply say obedience. Because if I'm obeying God, I'm also being what? I'm also being faithful. So let's just boil it down to obedience. But with this little bit of a caveat, James chapter 1 verse 22. You probably do know that text by heart. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, Just don't don't miss that part deceiving yourself wait be a doer and not just a hearer because if you are just a hearer you are within the category of people who that last part deceive themselves and that was getting back to what I brought in the very beginning okay I can receive all kinds of knowledge. I can sit in a Bible class, hear the scriptures read, or, or even read them myself. I can take a Bible class home, can get on the internet and, you know, watch videos. I, I, I can be a participant in the accumulation and packing away of all kinds of knowledge. We can even get to the point in our lives where, where we've forgotten more than we actually remember today. You believe that's true? I mean, we have been so filled with knowledge and and we've heard about how to apply and do all this. But if I don't actually go out there and do it, what? I have deceived myself. It isn't enough just to get the knowledge. Do I need knowledge? Yes, I do. And the more I have, the better equipped I am to do That's the whole idea. Get the stuff, get the resource. One resource is knowledge. Get the resource, get the knowledge, and then do something. So this whole thing, obey. You hear what the word of the Lord is? Now just go out there and do that thing. Now disobedience, the other side of that. You know, there are always going to be people who are, I don't know, rebellious. They just have a rebellious streak in them. And some of those people, we look at them and in some ways we just kind of admire the independence of the rebel, just kind of bucking against the trend, not not gonna fall in line with everybody else. You know what in society sometimes that's kinda kinda fun. Or we wanna, you know, we feel that we're in a free country, we can voice our opinion and we can be heard. And if we're not heard on the street, we'll be heard at the ballot box. You know, we just We love that sense of the entitlement of people hearing what we've got to say. We want our voice to be heard. I'm going to tell you something. It's one deal to have that freedom and have that rebellious streak in society. Now, you have to hedge that, right? If you go too far in one direction or the other, you'll find yourself not in compliance with the laws of the land. And what will they do to you? Well, you don't know because you've never been that way. They'll throw you in jail. You know, you don't comply with the rules, of the general rules of society. You'll pay a penalty for that. But otherwise, we live within some framework where we can, where we can speak in total opposite of what is the norm. We have a freedom to do that. But let me tell you something. With regard to God, Disobedience is not freedom. Because if I choose to disobey, I have become a slave to something. You know what it is? Sin. I become a slave to sin. I am not free anymore. The truth of the matter is that God has given us these instructions in order to provide a clear path to absolute spiritual freedom. If we will choose to trust Him for that and obey what He has to say. When God gives instruction, if we will just heed the instruction. Otherwise, to be disobedient is just an absolute foolish choice on our part. Now, here's something, and I would lump in not just the book of Deuteronomy, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers as well, because... Well, maybe aside from Genesis, all those other books had laws within them or commandments of God. This is the restating of that. So you kind of have a, a combining, a meshing together of a lot of things that we had already learned in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So it's, it's basically a rehashing. People look at these first five books of law and they say, yeah, you know, there, wow, there are a lot of commandments there. And Jesus came to fulfill the law so set aside the law and now we have Jesus and Jesus is all about grace Jesus is not about commandments and obedience is that true that is not true because remember that in order to have freedom we have to do what in order to have freedom we have to obey the right source okay so God hasn't quit giving us instruction as to how to truly be spiritually free so, and I remember years ago. I haven't heard that much about it in in recent years, but I remember that there was a point at which there was just it was almost like there was a a wave a wave of people coming along, telling us that they had discovered grace, and that somehow or other, for many years, that we'd all been brainwashed and. Just taught to obey commandments and this and that, and it just thought that everything was black and white. Now all of a sudden, grace has come on the scene, and we are liberated. Well, did grace only show up on the scene within recent years? No. How long's grace been around? <laughs> if God's been around grace has been around, because there is no one. In fact, when God is referred to in scripture, sometimes he's referred to as gracious. He is the capital G gracious. Grace starts with God. God's unmerited favor toward me. Even though I don't deserve it, God bends over backward to help me. That's incredible grace. But when I come to the New Testament, I understand that just as it was true in the Old Testament, for example, the book of Deuteronomy, so it is true in the New Testament that freedom is going to come as a result of obedience. I want to share some examples of that with you. One of those would be, and we'll be in Romans here for a few minutes. Romans chapter 1 and verse 5. You see, there we're starting in the book of Romans. A book about great liberation and freedom. People think that this book is Paul's gospel of that exactly. Going to be free from the law and the confines of that? Sure, the law of Moses, but not free from the freedom that we find in obedience to the Lord. And he starts off that way. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. What does that text say? You received grace for or in order to what? Obedience to the faith. Wait, wait. Faith is supposed to fall within the category of grace. But did you see that? Wait a minute. They're not in opposition to one another. Grace is working with obedience in order to satisfy our relationship with God through what? Starts with an F and has an eighth in it. Through <laughs> yeah, Through faith, right? Th- those aren't opposed to one another. He says they're each working together. Look at chapter sixteen and verse nineteen. Romans sixteen, verse nineteen. And whoever finds that text first, I'm going to give you the bonus of letting you read verse twenty-six also. Romans. Oh. Right there. The obedience, what, Rick? Oh. It was not to everybody. Wait a those, people, those people have the grace. They don't have to obey God. Like, what? Yeah, they did, right? Because my reception of the grace of God is dependent on what? Oh, my faithful obedience. Okay, so that's not all, Rick. I want to over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Okay, now stop right there. How do I know what's good and wise? How do I know what is evil? How do we even know that? God's Word. So, if I'm going to walk in one or the other, that means I have made a decision as what I'm going to follow in my life. According to Deuteronomy, what should I always choose? Choose? Choose life. That life is going to come as a result of... Okay, you say, well, now their obedience was made known to all. But there was... Okay, their obedience to the, to the faith. That, that results in one of, one of those two things. That is going to be the application of life. Otherwise, if I turn my back on that, I'm not receiving the grace of God because I'm not responding in obedience to it. And then also verse 26, Rick. The obedience of what the obedience of faith? It isn't enough. Listen now, this is so important. It isn't enough just to have faith. Faith causes me to do what? Act. Causes me to act. Or our keyword obedience. Faith doesn't just sit around I say it, faith is not housed off in a building somewhere people don't sit around in a cave and they become you know the grand uh, example of faith that that is not how every time you see in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 an exemplar of the faith you will see something like this by faith so and so and then an action word By faith, they acted. It was that faith that drove them to act. Obedience is all about my action. How do I act now? Here's another thing that and I've been in Bible studies with people like this. For instance, I'll, you know, I'll be talking about well, you do this, this and this and this in obedience to the gospel in obedience to the now people love the gospel. Because the gospel is, I mean, you talk about the the great example of what the grace of God is all about. Right there it is. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Titus chapter two. That is the grace of God. Okay, so people want to hear about that, want to hear about the gospel, and you start talking about obedience to the gospel. Isn't it? Obedience to the gospel. Wait a minute gospel is about grace and you're talking about obedience and that's, you know, that's a work and, and obeying the gospel is never a work, or or submission to the gospel would never be a work, so how can you say obedience to the gospel? Well, let's ask Paul that question, right? Still in the book of Romans, look at, look at um, look at Romans Romans chapter 10 and verse 16, who would read that text for us? Romans chapter 10 and verse 16. Okay, Romans 10 is about that's that famous text about you're carrying the gospel and how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. But he says they have not what? They have not all obeyed the gospel. Okay, now here's the thing. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But in order to obey the gospel, you say, well, man, those are facts. So how can I obey facts? Well, those facts are obeyed at what point? When you're baptized, right? In baptism, Romans 6, 3, and 4 is the death, burial, and the resurrection, right? We're buried with him in baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead with the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And then in that same chapter, <clears throat> Romans chapter six, someone read verse seventeen. What does that text say? Verse sixteen. Romans ten, sixteen. okay we have not all what obeyed the gospel <clears throat> obedience to the gospel obedience to the gospel. Romans 6:17 <clears throat> that sounds like Romans 10:17. Back up a couple pages Romans 6:17. Yeah no it's okay Okay, so you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. Now, in this context, what was the form of doctrine that was delivered to them that they obeyed? Okay, back in three and four, we just read it a moment ago, right? The death, burial, and resurrection. When a person is baptized, they are obeying the gospel. They are obeying the gospel, and born into the family of God absolutely right second thessalonians chapter 1 verse 7 is another passage where this idea of obeying the gospel is found but this this is a setting where someone has not chosen life they have chosen death and we'll find out why they chose death or or what what resulted in their choice of death second thessalonians 1 verse 7 who will read that Okay, keep reading. Okay, he is coming. <clears throat> now, here, here's, I, I love the imagery here because at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, at, starting at verse 13, you have the depiction of the Lord's return. And he's bringing with him those who sleep in Jesus. And there's the blowing of the trumpet and meeting the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. And to comfort one another with these words. Wow. What a beautiful picture. Can't wait. Lord's going to come and we're going to go be with him forever and ever. Yes. But then this passage is showing at the self same exact time. Yeah, Lord's coming from heaven. But... For those who do not obey God and do not obey the gospel. Wait, what was obedience to the gospel again? Would you remind me? Death, burial, and resurrection. That form of doctrine. Baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4. So those who do not know God. So they don't have what? Starts with an F. They don't have faith. Do not know God and have not obeyed. Is faith and obedience important? Trust and obey. Remember, faith and obedience. Here they don't. They don't believe, and then they haven't obeyed the gospel. What happens to those people? Okay. How long is everlasting destruction? How long is that? There's no. There's no end to that. Okay. Choose life. Isn't that a great text? Choose life. Great instruction. We need, we need to employ for ourselves that sentiment of these books. I want to trust the Lord for everything. He's given me the instruction that's necessary for my salvation to choose that life. But I've got to act on it. Obedience. I've got to obey. In this case, the most important aspect of obedience that there is to obey the gospel. Because that gospel will result in what for me? Salvation. Eternal life, as Janita read for us. I want that, don't you? So the emphasis here in this book is is that exactly. That translates into our relationship with the Lord. Don't think that somehow or other we have disconnected ourselves from trusting and obeying the Lord. That's that's always central to the thing. How how God deals with us and his expectations of us, that's a whole different study. But here it is, trust and obey, whether it is under the law of Moses or whether it is in the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to trust God in this and we have to be a people who are obedient. Now, we want to think for a few minutes about the purpose of this book, some things that stand behind that. Why, why is it that I would read this book? And you can break this book down kind of like you've been able to do in some of the other books. It, I don't want to say that it goes through seasons, but it's almost like it does. It, it kind of deals with one aspect of what's important, and it just unravels itself to a beautiful ending in the declarations that Moses makes. So historically, when you look at this book, you're looking at it from the standpoint of its help to the nation of Israel as they are preparing themselves to enter into the promised land. That is for real this time. There's not going to be any backup and, and start over. This is it. God has promised them. He has protected them. And now it's time to go in. So the first four chapters of this book through actually through chapter four at verse 43 and then verse 44, we'll pick up another section. But from chapter one, the very beginning, all through chapter four and verse 43, you have a depiction of the past history all the things that have brought us to this moment. He goes through how, you know, they had been unfaithful that that first generation, how they had walked away from the promised land, but how it is that God had protected them and enabled them to fight their enemies. He talks about how they fought against Sihon and Og and all of those famous kings and how God had given them success. And that given that formula If they would continue to be faithful to God, God would continue to give them that great success. History is always a tremendous teacher. Either it teaches us the way we should go, or it teaches us of the mistakes that others have made. In that section, it does both of those. There were tremendous failures, but the one constant through all of this is that God is always faithful. And if you will trust him and you will what? Obey him, then you will taste of that great success. And then beginning at verse 44 and going through the end of chapter 11, you have some of the fundamental laws of Israel, kind of a recounting of a lot of the laws that you already saw. But kind of the the central part of that is a restating of the Ten Commandments. That's going to be foundational for everything. So that will go through the end of chapter 11. Chapter 12 all the way through to chapter the end of chapter 26 deals with their civil law and their religious law. Okay now, chew on that for a second. I get religious law because this is right out of the Bible. I think religious things, spiritual things. But can you said civil and religious why did I say civil? well first of all because it's in there but <laughs> why is it in there? why is civil law in there how you how you interact with your neighbor and uh, if he does something to you here's what you do and this and that why, why is that all in there? <laughs> okay must be <laughs> absolutely right must be important to God <clears throat> first of all who's the king right now? Okay, not right now, right now. Who was... Well, you guys are something. You're, you're like... Get. Okay, uh, back then, who was their king? God's their king, right? It's a theocracy. You remember, eventually, uh, Samuel comes along, and Samuel's all, all upset. Why was Samuel upset? They want a king! And he felt like they were rejecting him... And the role that he was playing, because he's kind of at the tail end of the judges and the the, the priestly um, connection there. And he felt like, oh man, you know, they don't like me and I've just been such a total failure. God's like, they, wait, wait a minute, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me from being their king. Oh, and I'm going to give them a king. I'm going to give them exactly what they're asking for. But back up, who'd been the king? God's the king. So when God gives... His instructions to his people doesn't it make sense that he would give them civil instructions as well as religious instructions? Here's how you worship me, but also here's how you conduct yourself in a in a civilized society, and so that is that is also included in the text from chapter chapter twenty seven through the end of chapter thirty. You also have, I guess, what you would call. Um, a renewal section, renewal. Now, what is renewal? Yeah, okay, and and typically, like, you you went to the store, you bought something, it was gleaming, shiny, whatever, you brought it home, you started using it, what happened to it? Okay, <laughs> it ran out of juice. Yeah, it did, um, but, uh, you left it outside. It got rained on a lot. It still works, but ugh, it looks awful. It's all rusty and got a lot of goo on it. You want to sell it. So what do you go out there and do? Clean it up. Clean it up. It's the same thing, right? But you're refurbishing it. You're, you're renewing it. Okay, so God had given the law. The law hasn't changed. But what has changed? the people who observe that law, right? Different, different group of people. Now, they've been in this wilderness wondering. God wants to say, okay, let's hit the pause button for a minute, we're gonna stop. You're getting ready to go into this promised land. We need to reaffirm some things. We need to be, we need to be working on ourselves, have some clarity, renew ourselves, get us all shiny and new as we go into this. Let's start afresh as we go into this new endeavor. Let's, let's cut ourselves loose from our past and let's launch forward into a new future, submitting, faithful, trusting, obedient to the Lord. And then the last section from chapter 31 to the very last verse of chapter 34 is basically a heartfelt description, uh, revelation, if you will, of Moses' instructions to the Israelite. Remember, where is Moses going to go? He's going to die. He's not going into the promised land. He is 120 years old. Uh, He, you know, he committed that one documented sin and now it's all over. (laughs) He's not going into the land. He's the oldest guy anybody knows. Oldest man in the whole world, so far as they know. So he's our guy. We've been following him all these. We trust him, right? Aside from God, this is the guy that we have listened to. We have depended on all this. When we had problems, we took to Moses. Now, Moses has some encouraging things to say, but he also has some warnings to deliver to the people. If you don't trust God, if you're not obedient to the Lord, you're going to fail. So as you're going into this new land, let's make some commitments that, that we're going to do this. Now, you know how the people do. They're all like, yeah, yeah, we'll always do right. Man, we, we hear you. Don't you worry about us, Moses. We we we're gonna really be great. Were they really great? Oh man, it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. But that's a story for another time. Right now, we're full of enthusiasm, thinking we are. Man, we are gonna do this thing. We are. We are gonna please God, and He is going to bless us. We promise. We promise. We will. Okay then, that's great. But if you don't, no, we will. Okay, but still, if you don't, curses are coming. So that's, that's kind of the historical aspect. Looking back, reminding about the law, here's the encouragement and the warnings about what's to come. Now, if you were to look at doctrinal things, or I guess what we would call scriptural purposes, there, there are basically two things that come to mind. One of those is, despite everything else, you can live victoriously. Live victoriously. All right. Let's use them as a case because that's where we're getting it from. This book of Deuteronomy. Victorious living. We are reminded that where they started as a people, uh, where was that? Down here or way up here? Okay, when they started, they were way up here when they failed. Where'd they go as low as you can go? They had the promised land in their grasp. What then? Not only you're not going in the promised land, this generation of people, what's going to happen to you? You're going to die. You remember, I, I just seemed to be fascinated with the macabre statement of their corpses were going to fall. I don't know. It's just something about that is just shocking. Their corpses were going to fall there in the wilderness. Ugh. So that is that is drastic kind of talk. It's it's shocking. But they're those people are gonna die there. Okay. That's about as low as it gets. But now as as we are finally over that, we've been We've been following Moses for these 40 years. We have seen incredible wonders of God. No, we've not been perfect. We've been a bunch of complainers for a lot of the time. But here we are now. And we have hung on. And God is promising to give us that land. And we are bound and determined. That's exactly what we're going to do. And where are they now? Woo! We're way up here. We are ready to go. Live victoriously. How did they get from way down here to way up here. Okay, they did right. And again, I want you to remember those two words. They were faithful and they were obedient. Were they perfect? Not perfect, but as a whole, they maintained their relationship with God because they trusted what He said, they had faith in God, and they were obedient. They acted on the things that God commanded them to do. There were always bad apples, but God weeded those out. And emerging from that that chaos and that 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 decay of that previous group of people comes a nation that's ready to take the land, trusting God. Case in point: when they first go into the land of Canaan, they face. Probably for the time what is the greatest, most powerful, fortified city in the whole world. Did they bring that city down? Absolutely they did by the power of God. Not by swords or shields or catapults. They went in there. They did exactly what God commanded them to do. And when they did it exactly as prescribed, the, the scripture says that the walls fell down flat. They fell down flat. And the people went into the city. So when we trust God and we are obedient, God will give success. And God was giving that success. They were living victoriously. And then the second one is kind of what we ended on when we were talking about the the historical purpose. And that is the sense of renewal. We talked a good bit about what it is to be renewed, to take what... What at one point had been good and vibrant has become stained and dirty can once again become enlivened. In their case, it took a death and then a basic a resurrection of that nation. Did you notice what happened there? What happens for our renewal? Doesn't there have to be a death of the old person, the sinful one? And doesn't there have to be a resurrection out of that? Yes, there does. But that happens right there. In baptism. So a couple of things. Now, we also want to think, I also want to think that we have one minute left. So uh, Christologically, think about Christ. And in this text, uh, you can read this at home, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18 and 19. It talks about Moses as a prophet, but they were looking for something else, even back there in the book of Deuteronomy. A prophet who was greater. Now, there are several texts in the New Testament scriptures. You can reference those and you just see a beautiful unfolding of of God's way. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 45. Romans chapter 5, verse 46. Chapter 6, verse 14. And chapter 7, verse 40. All of those have that promise of fulfillment. Moses prophesied of that. It was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Okay, we're stopping right there. The end. Yay! It may be that you were not able to partake the Lord's Supper this morning. If you were not, we have someone in the chapel. will have a, um, a memorial service with you and provide the, the bread and the fruit of the vine. Um, we'll have a prayer and you can be dismissed for that. It might be that you know the sermon this morning, or some things we talked about here tonight, or maybe just a study that you've been doing. You, you realize there are things amiss in your life; you need to make them right. Uh, we have some elders in here tonight. Raise your hand, elders. One, two, three. In line, right there. So, if you'd like to speak with one of the elders, or you can speak with me. We'll be happy to pray with you, or have a study with you. Whatever's necessary to see to it that you spiritually are right with God. We're gonna have a prayer, we'll be dismissed. Then if you need to speak with an elder, find one of them or Lord's Supper. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessings that we have had today. We thank you for the privilege to worship and also to be able to uh, be back together as family. We pray that you'll uh, help us always to endeavor to be a part and to benefit from the associations that we have with one another and especially with you. We thank you, Lord, for the things we've been studying, for the instruction that we receive and for the encouragement that we find to live faithfully as your children in our relationship with Jesus. We thank you so much for him and for how through his sacrifice we're able to have this a relationship with you. We pray, Father, that you'll bless us and help us to grow stronger, to trust you more and to be obedient, to act on the things we know to do. We pray that you'll keep us safe as we journey to our respective homes. And if it's your will that you'll give us a new day, we pray that we'll use it to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.